Well, this season of Corona has really been a wild journey of trying to distinguish and identify what we know and what we don't know. Yeah, I've, I've still got questions about um, Corona um, and the virus. Uh, how exactly how um, long does it last on different surfaces? You know, and maybe we know that, but maybe it's just differs from surface to surface to surface that it's just too mind boggling to, to figure it um, all out. But I, can I safely open my mail? And do I have to clean my grapefruits before I eat them with some antivirus potion? Um, is, as well, is there a genetic predisposition towards, um, the virus? And, you know, masks over this two month journey, we've sort of gone back and forth of, uh, don't buy masks, uh, don't wear them, they're needed elsewhere to now, well, no, you need, but you need face coverings and, and wear those. Uh, so again, it's, uh, confusion and uncertainty um, that we live in. Um, can, can you catch the virus more than once? When exactly are you contagious and when are you not contagious? And um, above all, the other thing I do, when can I shake your hand and when can I hug your neck? You know, we can be overwhelmed by the questions that, uh, that we just don't know. Uncertainty can be overwhelming. Um, and, and so our focus then is, is to consider what we do know. Um, uh, for, for me, during uh, this this season, as uh, in, in the leadership of the church, uh, we're trying to figure out as some of the restrictions are relaxed and we're things are opening back up. How do we open up, in a sense, the, the church building? How do we, as a, a community of people who are that believe, trust, and follow Jesus, how do we come back together in a way that is that is wise? Uh, there's a lot of stuff we don't know that can be overwhelming to try to figure out, but what? Do we know? And um, uh, for me, what's been helpful is to find a trusted source. And uh, one of the folks that I've um, found as a trusting, trusted source for me is uh, Dr. Francis Collins. Now, he's the head of the NIH, the National Institute of Health. And um, he is one whose science has been in, impeccable. He um, also is a person of deep Christian faith, was actually just awarded the Templeton Prize. But a lot of his work um, uh, it has not been overly publicized, so it hasn't been politicized. And so it's another reason to be able to, to trust him. And so what, what I've learned from him and a few other sources that he points to is that what we do know that what is most contagious about this virus is that it, it's um, transmitted through our, our breath and through droplets in our breath that then are, um, can travel a short distance, usually you know six feet or so, which is why the six foot distance is usually um, uh, the one that we try to hold to. Um, and, and what can happen in, in that, uh, if that's how it's transmitted, then one of the most Dangerous positions we can be in is to be with a lot of people for a long time in an enclosed space where there's no ventilation um, or not very much um, uh, uh, circulation uh, of the air. Because And then particularly bad if we're doing something that makes us breathe heavily. 
Because because then we're in the same place with a lot of people and our breath is then in the air. And if there's somebody that is infected, then it's in that space, then it can easily travel to other people and infect others. And so one of the things we know is that being in a closed, confined space and doing something like breathing heavily, like singing, would not be a wise thing to do at this stage. We also know from him and other sources of the vulnerable populations, uh, particularly around a, uh, a pre-existing condition of some kind in, of the lungs uh, or just uh, by age. And so a lot of us are people of a vulnerable population. So those things we do know. So how do we help to move uh, to reopening the church and gathering together again? And that's how we came to the, the, the place of saying, let's, let's try the month of June to have drive-in church. Many of you have received an email or a letter um, describing what we're going to try to do in June um, so that we can be outside, uh, so that folks can stay either in their car or right next to it. And, and then we can sing together. We can actually have communion uh, together a- as well. And we can gather in a large open space. Um, uh, and that is a, a wise next step, best we can tell. I mean, it's not the best thing in the world, but it's the next best step for us to take in terms of our journey of venturing back together um, again. Now, some of you won't be comfortable with that. and You'll still want to stay at home. That's great. Please stay at home. We'll continue to provide video offerings um, for you on on Sundays. Now, um, tell you all of that as just as an illustration of this, my journey, our journey of saying, well, what? Let's not get focused on what we don't know. Let's focus on what we do know and then act. Also, I want to tell you, just to inform you, if you didn't get the email or letter, that's what we're going to be doing um, in, um, in June. But our passage today gives us some uh, similar clear advice about not focusing on what we don't know and getting overwhelmed by that uncertainty and focusing instead on what we do and acting and living on what we know to be true in Jesus Christ. Um, and, and I think actually it's a good principle for all of life. So even if you're uh, just a curious observer, um, not a follower of Jesus, but just wondering um, what's going on in the church, or just curious to check out what it means to, to follow Jesus. I think some of the things you, you'll hear in this passage will be helpful just in life in general. But for those of us who believe, trust, and follow Jesus, um, as we've been going through the, the Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, uh, we've been focusing our attention on what is our Christian hope. What is our hope in the middle of uncertain times? And last week we looked specifically at the details, what we do know, that a day will come when Jesus will return. And he will return with those who have died in him, and they will be raised first, and then those that are still on the earth when Jesus returns will then be raised after them, and there will be a great reunion, and they will return to the heavens and earth where Jesus will renew them. In the power of the resurrection, those who believe, trust, and follow, Jesus will be renewed and then all of creation will be renewed as well. That is our Christian hope that Jesus one day will come and make all things right. And that's what we look forward to. This is what we know. But what we don't know is when. 
When will that happen? And what our passage today is going to focus on saying you, there are things you don't know and that you won't know until they happen. And you don't want to get sidetracked on what you don't know, but remember to focus, encourage, support one another in what you do know and act on that. So our passage today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, starting with verse 1. Um, you can turn down your own Bibles or it will be on the screen in a moment. But let's, let's pray together. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your written word as it speaks to us of your truth. As it gives us what we do, as you reveal to us what we can know um, of your plan, of your wisdom, of your beauty. So help us, uh, Lord, to hear from you, to capture what applies in our lives and in the power of your spirit to, to live it out for your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. First uh, Thessalonians chapter five, starting with verse one. Now, concerning the times and seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, what I, I want to focus first on what we don't know or what the Apostle Paul here says about what we don't know or what the church in Thessalonica doesn't know about Jesus coming. There's, and there's four things, I think, that are applicable for us in times of uncertainty. The first thing not to do as we face an uncertain future is don't get distracted by conspiracy theories or easy answers. What, what Paul tells the church there is, listen, you don't know when Jesus is coming. He's going to come like a thief in the night. So don't try to figure it out. Um, and Paul's just quoting Jesus. Jesus said the same thing in the beginning of Acts. He said the same thing in, in uh, uh, both Matthew and Mark. Uh, record him saying exactly the same thing. Y'all, I'm coming back, but you don't know when. And it's not for you to know. That's, that's not necessary for you to know when that is. But what's amazing to me is that Christians continually, throughout the ages, continually try to predict when Jesus is going to come back. I mean, the the history of the church is fraught with people on the sidelines having, having wrongly predicted when Jesus was going to come back. 
And, and what that shows is our desire to, to fill the void of things we don't know. We somehow we got to. That's why we come up with conspiracy theories or easy answers or we try to find figure out when Jesus is coming is because we'd rather have certainty than truth. We'd rather be sure of what is wrong than to not know. And that's how cults are born. By trying to answer things that we can't answer but to do it with such clear certainty. So don't get distracted by conspiracy theories during times of uncertainty. The second is, don't live in a in a season of blind optimism. You see that in the passage here as well. In verse 3, um, Paul says, While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. Um, what, uh, and, and so what, what he, he's saying is there are people that say, oh, it's okay. They're always trying to have a, to paint a rosy picture. No, we, we live in a world that is broken. There is evil around us. There is injustice around us. And we don't want to just sweep it under the rug. We don't want to ignore it. We can't just say everything's okay because um, when everything isn't. So in times of uncertainty, in times of brokenness, we don't ignore the, the evil that goes on uh, around us. The, the third thing that we don't want to do is we don't want to be overwhelmed by fear. Don't be overwhelmed by fear because because uh, as we can fill the unknown with all kinds of scary possibilities. Now, fear is, uh, there's things to be scared of in this world, but that we don't want that to be our guiding focus. Uh, that's, um, uh, the Paul, Paul tells the, the church in uh, Thessalonica, he says that the, this day of Jesus coming is inescapable. It's, it's unknowable and it's inescapable. But, um, but don't let that scare you. It is like pregnancy, says uh, the end of verse three. This labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and none will escape. Just like labor pains come on a pregnant woman, when the labor pains start, the baby is coming. Um, it's inescapable. And that is true for all of us. But what we know, who believe, trust, and follow Jesus, in uncertain times, no matter how uncertain, we know that we are secure in Jesus. We are with him. As Paul says, whether dead or alive, we are with him. So fear is not our guiding principle. And then finally, the other um, uh, uh, thing that we don't want to do in times of uncertainty is we don't want to become primarily dependent on human institutions. We want to become primarily dependent upon God. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, human institutions are bad and totally evil. I'm just saying they're not God. And in times of uncertainty, in times of that, uh, that, that desire for a certainty, we want, we'll grasp hold of anything we can really see and, and feel and taste and, and smell. We, we want, uh, that human institution to be what we hold to. And, um, it was true in Paul's day because what happened then, this was the day of Roman occupation of, uh, much of that area. And there was something that was called Pax Romana. 
Don't worry, that's not a new virus, nor is it a cheese. It means the peace of Rome, the Roman peace that wherever Rome was, they said, we have brought you the Pax Romana, which basically meant they've taken over and now taxes are going to them, but they're going to protect you as long as you do everything they say exactly how they say to do it. And Paul's saying, no, Rome is not our God. There's no human institution that is our, as if we're followers of Jesus, Jesus is our God. He's the one that we depend upon. Um, and, and during this virus, I've heard people say, we're Americans, we're going to get through it. Or we're Ohioans, we're going to get through it. Or we're Christians, we're going to get through it. Um, that uh, our, our trust is not in American know-how, nor in Ohioan perseverance, nor in, in Christian capabilities, but our trust is in Jesus. Again, I'm not saying that nations and states or other institutions or certainly the church are are useless or bad or totally evil. They can be very good. And we're called to obey the the leaders in all of those institutions as followers of Jesus and to honor those that are in positions of authority. But we don't place our ultimate trust there, which can be a real temptation in times of uncertainty. It is God who is the one who sees, who is our certain trust and the one who sees us and guides us through tumultuous times. So, um, the, to, to review the no's, you know, we don't, when we, if we focus on what we, we, we don't know, that can lead us to, to conspiracy theories or blind optimism or, or to be guided by fear or to place our full trust in human institution. And we, we don't want to focus on what we don't know and we don't want to then be overwhelmed by conspiracy theories or to have a blind optimism or to be overwhelmed by fear or to place our trust in any human institution. And, and I think that that encompasses Paul's command to the, the, the church in verse 6 where he says, don't fall asleep. Um, uh, and, and he's in the, the middle there of, of using a, a metaphor for what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That we live in the day. We live in the light. We don't live in the darkness or the night. That we're to be people who are sober, who are clear-minded, not not drunken, um, not confused. Um, that that and that whole picture, the picture of, of what the New Testament frequently uses of what it means to be a Christian, to be a people, to be a people who live in the light, who are people of the day, who are sober, who are right-minded. Um, and so the first command in verse six is don't fall asleep. Don't let the world and the way the world handles uncertainty overwhelm you or confuse you or lull you into acting just like them. We aren't like the world. We're to be people who follow Jesus. We're to be distinctly different. And particularly in times of uncertainty, we're to be different because what we know is sure and certain in Jesus. So don't be overwhelmed by what we don't know. And then, verse 8, he says that the the positive command is be sober. Be clear-minded. Be focused on what you do know. Um, Let me read that last part of then verse uh, 8, 9, and 10. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. 
For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live through Him. So be focused on what you do know. Be clear-minded, focused on Jesus, knowing that in Jesus, God has rescued us from the wrath of judgment. You see, this day of the Lord, when Jesus comes back, yes, he's going to renew those who believe, trust, and follow him. He's going to renew the, all of creation, but he's also going to bring judgment on all that is evil. He's going to destroy and annihilate injustice and hatred and evil completely. It will be a day of judgment as well. And what we know is that God, because of the grace and mercy of Jesus, because of his death and the power of his resurrection, he has taken our place. The evil that we have committed, the wrath and judgment of God that we deserve, Jesus has taken that on himself. He died for us. And now in him, when he returns, we will obtain that rescue, that salvation from that ultimate judgment. And we will live with Jesus forever because of him, because he has placed us out of the darkness into the light. And uh, the, um, th- those that uh, remember from last week, the, the statement there where um, Paul says, where whether you are... Um, uh, let's see, verse 10, those, whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him, with, with Jesus. Um, uh, awake means alive, asleep means dead. That was also um, uh, a saying, a, a metaphor in, in that day. They would have understood. It's sort of like when we say, um, kick the bucket is how, when, we, um, when you die. When Paul would have said, those who sleep would have been the same then. So what he's saying for those that are in Jesus this is what we know this is who god has made you and me he has made us in jesus in the power of the holy spirit people of the day people of the light not to be people of darkness and night it's this is a gift from god um and uh you see the same language in first peter uh where uh, peter tells us we've been moved out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light um colossians 1 paul says the same thing that we're we've been been taken out of the darkness and now been given the inheritance of the saints of the light and in in john uh, chapter 1 what we're told is that jesus is the light So if we've been placed in the light, that's not saying that we've been given some significant insight or some extra knowledge. What we've been given is Jesus. And we are now resting in him. So when we're in the light, that means we are in Jesus. This is what we know. And and because of this, because the Holy Spirit is within us and has placed us in the light in Jesus, we are certain of our hope of forgiveness and of our resurrection in Jesus. And we recognize that this is a privilege. This is an opportunity. This is the responsibility of living in the light now, in this in-between time, in this time before Jesus comes. That's the work of the church. And that's why Paul, interestingly, here and also in Ephesians 6, uses battle language. He uses warfare language. He says, you have the armor of God. He's actually quoting from Isaiah 59. The, the armor of God has been given to you, as, as he says uh, here. Uh, 
that we have the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Um, Paul uses armor language and but because we're in the middle of a battle, but we're in a battle very different than what we think, very different than any war movie. There are no bullets. There's no bomb. The armor we have are the, the three major characteristics of a follower of Jesus who are filled with faith, who are filled with love, who are filled with hope in Jesus. And it is our battle together as the army of God now to live according to that faith and that love and that hope. We focus on what we know, our position in Jesus Christ, the armor of God that he's placed on us so that we will live by faith and not by fear. So that we will be, we will be overwhelmed uh, living in the power of the spirit, the love of God and love of neighbor, not love of self. And that we will have a hope in that sure and certain return of Jesus and not live in cynicism or despair. Friends, that's what the world needs is the people that are characterized by faith and love and hope. And that's what Jesus has done for us. That's what we know. So we don't sit around and wait for Jesus to return. We are in the middle of the battle and we seek to live that out with one another. That's why we're not waiting for Jesus to return to be a growing, diverse community of Jesus followers. That's what we're seeking to be now. But that's a battlefield. But Jesus has given us all that we need. He's given us the light we need. He's given us the faith. He's given us the love. He's given us the hope. He's given us what we need to live into that. And that's how Paul ends the passage, just like he ended last week's passage. Uh, and here in, in verse 11, that, that we need one another. That knowing this now, this is what we use to encourage and support one another. Uh, let me read verse 11. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. To truly fight this kind of battle, we need one another to keep us awake, to keep us alert, to keep us rightly dependent upon Jesus. I mean, to live in in, in battle of faith against fear, of of love against selfishness, of, of hope against cynicism and despair. We need one another. Indeed, this is a privilege, opportunity, and responsibility to live in the day, to live in the light that God has given to us. This is, this is what it means to be a Christian. If you have a different understanding of what it means to be a Christian, then I challenge you to stop and rethink that. If your definition of a Christian is somehow sort of cruising through life or just getting saved, just getting your your ticket punched for that day when Jesus returns, you're missing out. You're missing out on the the flourishing of what it means to be uh, to believe, trust and follow Jesus and to be in the midst of this battle. That we know Jesus has won and we look forward to that day when he brings it to full completion. Now, what what I, I challenge us to do is to consider who who are the people that cheer you on to follow Jesus in this challenging time? 
Who are the people that you cheer on to follow Jesus? Who are the, the relationships? And you can't have a bunch of relationships like this that, that have this kind of depth in their interaction. But as followers of Jesus, being soldiers together in this battle, who, who are the, the people around you that, that you can challenge them and help them and cheer them on to live lives of faith and love and hope grounded in the cross and the resurrection and the eventual return of Jesus? Who are those people for you that you you can ask one another, was that action you just took, how how does that relate to the hope and the faith and the love that we have in Jesus? How did how did that email you sent or that post you just made, how did that reflect upon the, the hope that we have in Jesus? Who are the people that can ask you that and that you can ask them that? Where is that kind of, of, of community? That, that's what we want to build as a church. And we want to build that because we fully believe that's what the world needs and wants and desires. I mean, God has placed us in the light, not just so we can see more brightly, so we can see more clearly, but that we might be a witness to others and invite them to join with us in the light, in the day. That's the privilege, the opportunity and responsibility that that we have as followers of Jesus. That, that's why we gather to worship. That's why we have hope groups. That's why we have children's ministry and youth ministry, counseling and care ministry. It is in order to live according to what we do know and to live into the full armor that God's given us of hope, love, and faith. What we desire What we dream is to be that kind of people that are continuing to grow deeper and deeper. Faith, hope, and love. That that daily we are growing in our connection with God. Aware that we we have the, the right weapons, the right armor for this battle. And in ages of uncertainty, we're not overwhelmed by what we don't know. But we are centered on what we do know. And we are a community who helps, encourages, grabs, and supports one another and keeps us centered on the faith, hope, and love of Jesus. That's what we know. Amen.